Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and this week I am so excited to be joined by the great Jenny Watson. I'm calling her the great because you may know her more by the Elderberry Syrup Company here in the Kentuckiana area. She is the lady with the magic syrup in the beautiful mason jars that everyone is running to go get to try to stay healthy, especially this year. But of course, because of the way the world works, it's like I had one friend say, you need to reach out to you. I had another friend say, you know who you need to talk to? You need to talk to Jenny over at Elderberry. And I was like, Fun fact, I love elderberry syrup. So Jenny, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I bet I would just go ahead and assume you've been pretty busy this year. Uh, Yes. That's an understatement (laughs) to say that. I've been busy. You have been insanely busy and we'll get to how you came to be. But in general, just so people know, what is it that you do? Just as like, I'm Jenny Watson and you're the owner creator of the Elderberry Company. Yeah. So I call myself the CEO and founder, owner, all of that stuff um, of the Elderberry Company. Um, Our mission is to empower families with a natural and effective way to support their immune systems. And that's exactly how I found you because I had friends a couple of years ago when the flu was really bad. Everyone was like, are you taking your elderberry? And I'm like, what is an elderberry? It literally sounded like something fake because I'd never heard of it. Oh yeah. I thought it it was something from Harry Potter. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And what's funny is that I think you and I actually, our kids were at the same preschool at one point because I bought stuff from you and they were, then someone was like, you know, that she's one of the other moms at our preschool. Right. And I was like, of course she is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm everywhere. (laughs) You are everywhere. So let's take a step back. You're not from the Kentucky area. You actually grew up in Illinois, correct? Yes. Yep. Central Illinois. And is that where you ended up going to college and all that jazz? Yeah. So I grew up in central Illinois. I ended up going to a really small Christian college, um, just about 30 minutes from my hometown. Um, and that's where I met my husband, uh, Michael, and we um, dated through college and then got married right out of college. And we actually moved out to Las Vegas. And that's where I was for five years before I moved here just five years ago. So, okay. You got married then right around 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was 23 years old. That's how old I was when I got married. Yeah. My husband and I dated towards the end of my college career. I always find it fun because like, I know a lot of people that got married in their thirties, like twenties, but then there's like this whole group of us that have all gotten married at like 23. So we're already hitting over 10 years of marriage, which is crazy to think about. It is, especially when you think about who we were at age 23. <laughs> like, um, goodness, I didn't know who I was. I still don't really know who I am. <laughs> completely agree. I'm like going through my kitchen and I'm like, I got this on our wedding. I'm like, wait, this colander's 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> breaking. Everything in my kitchen's breaking. I'm like, I think I need another sh- wedding shower. Honestly, I thought the same thing. I was like, all of my knives are dull. And I literally broke off a knife cutting an apple. I'm like, I think I need a new knife block. Oh, yes. this one's over a decade old. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So you met your husband, Michael, in college. What did you major in in college? So I majored in psychology. Um, I didn't really, I think I wanted to be, I think, I don't know what I wanted to be. I think it's so cruel to make an 18 year old decide what they want to do for the rest of their life. Yes. Because that's a long time to think about. Oh yeah. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to help people. And so I was like, okay, well, psychology. And I always heard, well, if you're going to go into psychology, you need to be ready to get your master's. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll get my master's. And I did about a hot six months of getting my master's and then I got pregnant and I didn't want to go back. So I didn't end up going back. Honestly, I, I also graduated college and I was like, I'm going to go get my master's. And then Mm -hmm. it didn't start, it didn't work out. And then I started having kids and now we are 10, I'm over 10 years out of college and I'm going, well, I guess I'm, I don't know what I'm going to go back for the master's. I'm so thankful. I mean, like it was a, it was a fun six months of getting my master's, but I just don't know how women, women that do it. Like I've got a girl that works for me. She got her master's while working full time and had a baby. And I, I joke about it, but that's, that's, that's why I hired her. I was like, she's not qualified. She was not qualified in, in terms of experience for the position I put her in. But I said, you had a baby while getting your master's and working full time. So I know you're a hard worker and I know you figure stuff out. So I'm like, you're hired. <laughs> If you can multitask all of that, yeah, oh, yeah, that counts for something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so what took you out to Vegas then? 
Um, so my husband, he majored in youth ministry. And so he got an internship out at a church in Las Vegas with middle school and high school students. And so I actually did my internship for my undergrad in Louisville, Kentucky, just across the river. Um, my sister's like, has my sister has lived here for a long time. And so, um, you know, we were like 22 years old. I went to my internship in Louisville. I was at a nonprofit um, called Family Scholar House. I don't know if you're familiar with them at all. I've heard of them. Yes. Yeah. So, um, that, so that was really great. That was a, an internship that ended up being about a year and a half long while Michael was out in Vegas doing his internship for about a year. And then that internship turned into a job. So we got engaged, got married, and then I moved out to Las Vegas. So it was kind of a fun little 23 year olds building or playing house and becoming adults <laughs> in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> in Vegas. Yeah. It was a blast. <laughs> I can't imagine living in Vegas. I always find it bizarre when people are like, I'm from Vegas. I'm like, people are from Vegas. People live in Vegas. It's not just tourists. Well, and I never went to Vegas before I lived there. So I didn't have a touristy eye to it. And now I can't see it in it with a touristy eye because it's where I lived. So like, we're going to plan a trip out West, I think this summer. And we haven't actually been out there in the last four years. So I'm really excited, but I think it will feel probably more touristy to me uh, just because we've lost so many connections out there. So did you actually start having kids in Vegas then? Yeah. So my, uh, my son, Zadik, he's five years old. Um, he was six months old when we moved back here. So I had him out in Vegas and then, um, right around his six month birthday, we, uh, we moved back here. So your sister is now in this area as well. Mm -hmm. And you've got your parents back in Illinois. So do you just have, is it you and your sister or do you have more siblings? Um, I, yeah, I'm actually the baby of four. Um, so my, yeah, so I've got an oldest sister that lives in Illinois and then my other sister that lives here and she just lives down the street. And then, um, I've got a brother in St. Louis and then uh, me, the baby. How fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blast. And my husband, his, his parents, he grew up in Frankfurt. So he, we're not far from, um, from where he, where he grew up. And actually when we moved here, um, five years ago, we didn't have a job or a house or anything. So we lived with his grandma. Um, it was only going to be for a few weeks. It ended up being nine months. So like, imagine I, we moved in with a six month old little boy, you know, he could barely crawl. And we moved out when he was a little over a year old running around like a madman. And this, his grandma, God love her. She has, she has porcelain dolls in every single room of this house that we lived in. And so I'm trying to keep this little, you know, nine month old boy from terrorizing all of these dolls and throwing them and running into them. And it was insane. Um, I can't imagine trying to keep them from porcelain dolls. I have a almost 13 month old right mm -hmm. now and she is into everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The dolls just kept getting higher and higher in the, in the, in the house. And then by the time we left, they were, they were pretty high up where he couldn't get them. So you guys planted your roots back in the Kentucky area. Mm -hmm. You now have one child. So now you have a total of three now. Uh, no, two. So I've got two. a five-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl. A five-year-old and a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. So you're, you've got your hands busy then just yes. even with kiddos. Yes. <laughs> So with that psychology degree, I know you started having kids. Mm -hmm. What, at what point did your career shift back towards, let's just say elderberry? Yeah. So it was like completely out of left field. I still say I, I started this business accidentally, which makes it sound like it wasn't hard work. It was incredibly hard work, but it was, it wasn't hard in the sense that I was just following the momentum of this business. So it was I actually first heard of elderberry for the very first time when I was pregnant with Zadik. So I was out in Las Vegas and I was pregnant for the first time and I was probably six months pregnant and I got a cold. And so I, you know, it's like when we first become moms, it's some people are already naturally minded, but then I, I feel like at least for me becoming a mom, being pregnant, becoming a mom made me more aware of what I was putting in my body. And so, you know, all of a sudden now I can't just take what I've taken my whole life to help with a cold. So I went to Facebook and I asked a bunch of moms, Hey, I'm pregnant and I'm sick, or I've got a cold. What do you recommend? And tons of moms said elderberry syrup. And I didn't even know how to pronounce it, how to, what it was, how to get it, how to make it. So my personality, I just didn't end up trying it. And I was miserable for that whole pregnancy with that cold. And so it was, um, it was actually two weeks into moving to the Kentuckiana area from Las Vegas, that weather changed from dry to humid and just hot to cold. Um, it was October and my boy got his 
first ear infection. As you know, the sniffles turned to a full-blown cold. I took him to the doctor, ear infection, antibiotics prescribed. And that happened every single month that winter. And it was just crazy to me as a new mom. I was like, there's nothing I can do. Like, why can't I, why can't, why isn't there anything I can do? I felt really powerless the, that uh, all I'm, all I do when my kid gets the sniffles is just take him to the doctor and he gets antibiotics. And it just felt very powerless to me. Um, and so it was a little, it was probably right after he turned a year old, he got the sniffles again. And for whatever reason, I remembered elderberry syrup um, from all those moms telling me about that when I was um, pregnant. And so I, um, I found a way to make it and I made it for the first time and I started giving it to him and those sniffles went away in a few days. And I was like, well, that's cool. I was like, so I was hooked way before it ever became a business. This was two years before I even, I even started the elderberry company. Um, my family and I were just taking it, um, regularly through the winter to stay healthy. How did you find, like, again, you and I joked that when an elderberry sounds like something from Harry Potter, especially yeah. the elder wand. Yes. Um, but so how did you go from, I know that they sell other, there's stuff even at every pharmacy that is elderberry syrup mm -hmm. that you can buy that's available. But like, how did you figure out how to do your own just looking up recipes? Yeah. So I literally just Googled elderberry syrup recipe. And the first time I ever made it, I actually bought it from um, somebody on Etsy. There's lots of people that sell elderberry on Etsy, like little like at home packs to make it on your own stovetop. And I actually, I have a, a it, we call it a kit an elderberry syrup kit and it's all the dry ingredients for someone to make it on their uh, own stovetop. And so um, that's how I made it. I found this girl on Etsy. I ordered it and I made it myself that way. And then um, after I knew I was hooked on it, like I loved, I loved the benefits I was seeing to keep my family healthy. I then found a recipe and then I just sourced each ingredient by itself because you can save a lot of money. Um, but if you're just trying it for like the one time, you don't want to buy a pound of each ingredient because that gets it really expensive. But if you know you're going to use it regularly, then that's kind of how I got started is I just started sourcing all the ingredients myself. So do elderberries grow locally? Um, they do. Yeah, there's so they're actually like everywhere. You'd be surprised. You've probably seen them on the highway when you're driving. They have like this like cluster of um, like white flowers when the flowers bloom in them. And so they're just, they grow wild everywhere. There's two different types of elderberries, American and European. And I started with the European elderberry and I, I guess for whatever reason, I'm just, I don't want to change that because <laughs> I'm like, I've got a good thing going, but I think that they're essentially the same thing. They're just like two different types of like forms of elderberries, but they have the same benefit. So you ended up making some through the winter. So people mm -hmm. that are unfamiliar, it's literally like taking like almost like a vitamin. It's something that you do daily, like a, like a preventative, correct? Yeah. So you can take it a couple different ways. Um, a lot of our customers will take it daily. So it's a tablespoon for an adult, a teaspoon for a child. Um, and they'll take it every day as just a way to keep their bodies healthy. Um, some people will take it only when they feel like they've been either exposed to an illness, a bacteria virus, um, or if they feel like they're coming on with something, they'll start taking it um, to minimize whatever their, their body's fighting at that time. So I always tell my customers um, to, to first talk with their care provider and do what their doctor recommends. Um, but also a lot of times doctors don't really know much about elderberry. I think it's changing in the last few years. They've, they've, I've had a lot of customers say that their doctors recommend it. Um, and so I just tell them to do their research and come to the conclusion that's most comfortable for you. You know, I think it, when, when it was, it had to have been at least two years ago, if not three years ago, was when the first time I tried it. Again, mm -hmm. we had gotten, it was the year we had gotten the flu. And that's like one of the worst sicknesses I have ever had yeah. was that year. Yes. And then ever since then, I have made more of an effort. I mean, like I have driven all over Southern Indiana before and mm -hmm. called around to be like, who has the big jar? Yeah. Um, and then you're right. When I was pregnant, you're completely right. You're powerless because you're like, what can I put in my body? Mm -hmm. Because whatever's going in my body is going in my baby's body. Mm -hmm. And I remember you're right. You become much more conscious at that point of mm -hmm. what can I do when I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And I remember actually I was pregnant, well, about 18 months ago now, not even 18 months ago. And I hunted down elderberry syrup because I was like, nah, -uh, being pregnant and sick is the worst. You're already uncomfortable. Like oh, don't yeah. make it miserable. Work. Yeah, it's miserable. Um, 
I love this story so much because, and also you shouldn't have said Harry Potter to me because now I'm picturing you like over a little cauldron and like, (laughs) you've got like a little copper kettle. (laughs) I know, I'm brewing elderberry syrup. (laughs) So also the taste of elderberry. This is the thing that I love. It reminds me of like a mold wine or cider. It's Mm -hmm. like, it has a lot of spices in it. It has other things other than just elderberry in it. I think it tastes delicious. And I know it's certainly a flavor that some people it's not their style. Yeah. But I have members of my family, my own family that won't take it because they don't like the taste of it. <laughs> oh, see, my husband does not like the taste of it. And I would literally mix it with water and heat it up and drink it like tea. Yeah. Because I think it tastes delicious. So, okay. Now you, at what point, okay, you've got a five-year-old and a, did you say three-year-old or two-year-old? Yeah, three-year-old. three-year-old. Mm-hmm. Okay. When did the elderberry company start in a timeline between your kids versus now? So, um, my girl was six months old and my boy was two years or three years old. Was he three? Yeah. He just, no, he just turned two. So he's like two and a half, a two and a half and a six month old. Um, and it was that winter. Um, it was like November of 2017. Um, I made my, a batch of elderberry syrup. And I just remember when I asked on Facebook for a natural way to stay healthy. And those moms told me elderberry. I so wish that one of those moms would have said, not only just said elderberry, but would have said, here, try mine or here's how to make it or here's where to get it. And so that, that stuck in my mind that November. And so I just put on Facebook, I said, Hey, I'm making my batch of elderberry syrup for the winter. Um, if you'd like to try a sample message me and I had no intention of selling it, no intention of making a business out of it. Um, and I had probably 10 friends that said that they were interested. So I got little jars and I, you know, poured my, my batch out and gave them little samples. And, um, one of those friends said, Hey, if you ever wanted to sell this, I would have 100 friends that would want to buy it. So uh, that perked my interest. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. Put it, put it on your Facebook, have them message me if they're interested. So she did that. And I had about, I don't know, maybe 20 of her friends message me and say, Hey, I, I heard you were making elderberry syrup. I'd like to buy some. And so I gave them my address. I told them when to pick up and they came to my front door and picked up elderberry syrup. And so I did that every single week that winter. Um, and it was insane. Cause you, th- you imagine like a two-year-old and a six month old and I was breastfeeding the six month old and I'm not very good at breastfeeding. And so I was like, <laughs> I, was me- I was a mess in my, I'm trying to keep my living room looking like normal and, and, and I'm making elderberry syrup and I'm having these strangers come to my house to pick them up. It was absolutely nuts. That's what I was just going to ask. If you've got tiny kids, mm-hmm. a six month old and a two and a half year old, those are insanely difficult stages just because they're very hands-on, obviously for both of them, for different reasons. Yeah. You're right. Breastfeeding is difficult. I've ex- exclusively breastfed all three of my kids. Yeah. I totally understand. <laughs> but to open up your home um, I, won't, I won't say by accident, yeah. but kind of like, it sounds like you almost just stumbled into, oh, well, if people want to buy it, this shouldn't be a big deal. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God. Oh yeah. I, I was amazed at how, I mean, like 20 people, 30 people, 40 people. I think the the biggest week I had of people coming to my house was a hundred people in one weekend coming to my house. Can you imagine what my neighbors thought? <laughs> They're probably like, You're like, something's going on over there. <laughs> going on over there. So yeah, it was not, it was a, uh, um, I, I don't think my husband appreciated how much I was giving my, our address out to strangers. But, it, you know, when you, when it's through Facebook, you know, I, I created my own website, but it was mostly friends of friends of friends. Uh, and so it wasn't until I started the farmer's market that following spring that I was like, oh, OK, now I'm starting to really give strangers my address. And so that's when I kind of knew I needed to make a change. So, okay, you started by just doing it out of your house, more or less with friends of friends. And I agree with you. If I'm buying stuff from people that are friends of friends, I'll give them my home address. But other than that, I know then we're meeting in Target parking lot or something. So so did you transition to just selling at farmer's markets from that point? Um, So I did both. Like I did farmer's markets and house pickups um, for that whole first year. So, so it was October of 2018 is when I made the switch. And so a lot of people don't know this because they don't know, they don't, they wouldn't need to know about food laws, but um, it's called cottage food laws. And every state has um, a certain set of laws that tell people what they can and can't do when they're selling food out of their home kitchen, because home kitchens aren't inspected by the health department. And so it's this like, it's these laws that let people 
have a business out of their home kitchen, but it restricts them on what, how they can sell it. And so as long as I was making my syrup in my home kitchen, if you, I could only sell two places. I could sell at a farmer's market and I could sell at a roadside stand, which I think is funny um, because my house was my roadside stand. It's on the side of the road. <laughs> I didn't have a stand, but it was, it worked and the health department was fine with it. But, um, so I could, that meant I couldn't sell online and I couldn't sell in stores. And so, um, it was that August of 2018, you know, that six month old baby was now 13, 14 months old. And as your, your baby's doing now, jumping into toilets when you're not watching her. And so, actually, yes. So, so I was like, you know, it was a difficult transition for me because I was, I've always wanted to be home with my kids, but I've never loved being home with my kids. And I thought elderberry syrup, this business was kind of the happy medium of both. I was able to be home with my kids, but also fulfill this desire because I was having a blast. I was like this ambition that it, it, it grew in me. I was like, this is fun. People are buying this. This is like, this is seeming like a, an actual business, not just a hobby. But then when I couldn't, make those batches of elderberry syrup on my stove and watch my kids not jump into toilets, I knew I needed to make a move and and move into an actual commercial kitchen. So it's crazy to me how fast this has progressed for you, Mm -hmm. especially with having young kids, because I'm with you and I'm glad you're open about the fact that I always knew I was going to be a mom. Mm-hmm. I always knew that I wanted to have kids, but I also know that I'm very career driven. Mm-hmm. So ne- staying at home with the kids 24 seven was not necessarily ever my goal. 2020 has forced me to be home working and with kids. Yes. And you're right. It is a challenge because you're right, trying to keep up with my kids and virtual learning and keeping the baby mm-hmm. out of eating dog food, trying to climb the stairs, climbing in the toilets, eating yeah. fur off the floors, whatever. It's really hard to multitask. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I'm sure your husband was also probably like, can we like reclaim our house from elderberry stuff? <laughs> yeah. Our wall smelled like it. Or like I would give away my clothes to my like sister, like hand-me-downs. And she goes, Jenny, your clothes smell like elderberry. <laughs> of course they do. Oh. See, in my mind, that would smell delicious. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> so at that point, you started renting from a, or like paying to do from a collaborative kitchen, Mesa, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I moved out of my home kitchen into into Mesa's um, commercial kitchen. And that seems like, oh yeah, that's easy. Just go from your home kitchen to your commercial kitchen. But it's incredibly difficult, mostly because now I had to totally restructure my business, which I wasn't even comfortably calling it a business at that point. I had such a hard time for a, a good year, maybe even two years of my business saying, well, this isn't a business because anyone can make elderberry syrup. And then I don't remember who it was, but someone said, yeah, anyone can make a cheeseburger. And how often do we drive down the street to get the cheeseburger from Wendy's or McDonald's or wherever we're going to get a cheeseburger? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so right. Like, and I had to stop devaluing what I was doing. I was offering, I was offering something of value to people. And it was a genuine value. Like this came, this came from a story of me feeling like a powerless mom. So that's why when we talk about our mission statement. We say our mission is to empower families. Like I don't really like care about elderberry syrup. Yeah. I believe in it and I live off of it (laughs) and to keep my family healthy, but it's not something I'm super passionate about. What I'm passionate about is helping moms feel empowered or helping women feel empowered to be exactly who they were created to be. And so keeping your family healthy helps you do that. And so um, that's kind of getting off topic, but that kind of is what helped me take it from a home business into a real business. No, I think that mission statement is beautiful mm-hmm. because you're, you're just, which is why I'm so glad that you're on my podcast. Cause that's literally when I came back from maternity leave after mm-hmm. baby three, I, I was like, I want to help other women. I don't care how I know them, what mm-hmm. they are, but if they're a mom, they need to know they're not alone in some capacity. Absolutely. You brought up breastfeeding was super difficult. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. I would help you any day of the week, any time of day to help you have a resource. I was lucky mm-hmm. enough to have very good resources to help me mm-hmm. and a good support circle, but some people don't have that. Oh, so yeah. I'm glad that that is your mission too. And you're a hundred percent right. Anybody can bake a cake, make a muffin mm-hmm. can, or attempt to, mm-hmm. um, you're right. Someone can make elderberry syrup, but people aren't doing it like you, you were starting a business. So mm-hmm. you went there. And is that the point where you really turn that corner into, this is no longer just, let's just say a side hustle I'm doing from my house. Mm-hmm. It turned into a full fledged Business. Career. Oh yeah. It was insane because before I moved into Mesa, my only cost was my ingredients. And so I remember having this little, little Excel spreadsheet that 
that I wrote down or I put in there what all my ingredients cost. And then I put in what I sold them for. And then I, so I got to see my profit. I mean, it's business 101, but I'm a psychology major. So like, I didn't know any of this. So I'm like, I'm doing this on a spreadsheet, but now it's like, okay, it's not just my ingredients. Now I have people helping me. I have rent at this kitchen. I need to order, or I need to buy my own pots and pans. Like it was, it, it was this mind shift that I had to be like, okay, yeah, I'm having to spend a lot more money to make my syrup, but now I don't just, I, I don't have to just sell at, out of my front door and at the farmer's market. Now I can sell online. And I'm super passionate about online businesses because I'm like, if you're not, if you're selling an, a tangible item and you're not selling online, I'm like, you're not doing it right. Because now my, my audience isn't just who can come to my front door. My audience is anybody in the country and maybe someday anyone in the world right now we're just selling in the country. Um, but it was a huge shift and I had the, I had to, I didn't, it wasn't just about moving from my home kitchen to a commercial kitchen and, and figuring out all those added costs. Now I needed to figure out how to ship my product and get a liquid in a glass bottle safely to somebody in California. And like, that was probably the most difficult thing out of everything I've done is figuring out how to ship has been my most difficult thing. So what is your percentage of local buyers versus around the country? So I have about 10% of my business comes through our doors in our shop in downtown New Albany. Um, I have another 10% that's like wholesale, like um, Rainbow Blossom, Coffee Crossing. And then the red, the other 80% is um, online. And so that's a lot of it is Indiana, but we've hit all 50 states and we've got um, a lot of presence, um, you know, from coast to coast. It's It's pretty cool. That is incredible from not knowing how you have a psychology degree (laughs) cooking in your kitchen to running a business, shipping across all 50 States. Mm -hmm. Obviously you have to be efficient and quick with your shipping. Yeah. You have to keep a liquid in a glass jar safe traveling (laughs) and manage your storefront. I mean that I feel like your business has gone from zero to a hundred so fast to very fast. I feel like the growing pains of that were probably one of the hardest parts. It was. Yeah. And I, I, that August, when I said, I can't do this in my home kitchen anymore was a month that I cried all the time because like I said, I, I thought that I wanted, I thought I wanted to be home with my kids. And then, but then I was like, but this business is taking me outside of my home. And so it was that I had this kind of like pretty real moment where I realized that I was looking at my kids as a, in opposition to my business. I was getting mad at my kids for slowing my ambition down, slowing my business down. And then I was getting mad at my business for preventing me from being a, I'm using air quotes right now, good mom. And so I had to, I, I had to just understand and learn for myself that it's a gift to my kids to watch their mom pursue her dreams, her goals, and be exactly who she was created to be. And I have said that from the beginning, that elderberry, not necessarily elderberry, but being a business owner, being an entrepreneur is exactly what God created me to be. And so it's not like I had to, I had to kind of say like, okay, if Quinn, Quinn's my girl, she's three years old. I said, if Quinn was in her twenties and she was wrestling with this as much as I'm wrestling with this now, what would I tell her? And that's when I was like, I tell her to stop feeling sorry for herself and stop beating herself up for wanting to, to go after something exciting. Like, And then that's when I realized what a gift it was for, I mean, my kids don't know what I'm doing yet. They're they're They come to my meetings, they come to the store, they see everything I'm doing, but they don't really understand, but they will understand when they're older and they'll get to see what it looked like for mom to pursue her dreams. And I think that's really important. And Uh I think even working from home this year, I have struggled so bad forever in my life with mom guilt, being Uh a full-time working mom with a very demanding career. And my mom's like, you're in the house you're still seeing your kids so much more yeah. than you ever would stop it. Yeah. I don't know what it is about being a, a female, being a mom. And it is so hard. Yeah. Oh gosh. And then when I, so 2019, and I talk openly about this, but 2019 was a struggle marriage wise. And my husband, we had a lot of difficult conversations and he was as honest as he could be, but he eventually had to say like, he had to get out of this mind shift that I was going to be the type of stay at home mom that his mom was and that he envisioned me to be. Mm. And so, cause he said something at one point and he, he said, I feel like our kids are always with babysitters. And so like, 
you hear that from your husband. I hear that from my husband. Like, and I said, I, it was my fault. Like you would think that you would think if you heard your husband say that to you, like you would think it's my fault. And I, that's what I thought. I was like, it's my fault. And I'm like, it's not, it doesn't have to be my fault, but it felt like my fault because from the beginning, from day one, we always said that we wanted me to be home with the kids. And I do believe like, I don't think that that's some old timer type thing. I think for us and our family, not every family, but our family, we said we wanted me to be home with the kids. And so that's where it was just this like, okay, well, how do I, do I just kibosh this business that's like blowing up or do I figure out how to make it work? So it was a difficult, difficult thing to try to navigate between us. So you are open about the fact that that was a a difficult year for your marriage. I mean, was that just like, did you feel like you had to make a choice or you guys realized that this is not a situation in which there has to be a choice? We just have to realign our mindsets to this is what the future is going to be versus the picture we had painted 10 years ago. Yeah, it really helped Michael for him to hear me vocalize multiple times that I feel like I'm doing exactly what God created me to do. And I had such strong belief in that. And I still do. And so that's where that's, that's what helped my mom guilt because I was like, okay, like I'm not, I'm not sacrificing being a mom. I'm actually being the best mom I can be by doing what God created me to do. And I'm going to teach my kids to do that in whatever that way looks like for them. And so, you know, for Michael, yeah, he didn't, our kids were with sitters a lot, but one of my mentors who has kids, grown, grown kids said, Oh, I, I came to her and I, and I told her what we were struggling through. And she said, you know, Jenny, like my boy or her boy, she's like, we just, he just got married and he had an entire table of babysitters at his wedding. And he's like, cause, we, cause they weren't just babysitters to us. Like she was like, we saw them as people that were investing and pouring into our kids. So yeah, they're not just there to keep your kids alive, but you pick babysitters that will teach the values you want your kids to have. And so we've been really intentional with our babysitters. We have tons of babysitters and we like to not, and we, we don't sit the babysitters down and say, will you invest in our kids? But like we pick babysitters that are, that show the values that we want our kids to have. And then we treat them like family, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it just helped me shift from, they're not just someone we're shipping our kids off to, but we're just, we're creating a village around our kids it takes a village. And that's one of my favorite phrases. And it's so funny to me that you just described a babysitter like that, because the only reason you and I are talking right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) is because of my babysitter. Yeah. When I used to live in a different area, a neighbor of ours was our babysitter. And that's how I met the mutual friend that told me to talk to you. And it was because that I went to that babysitter who became one of my closest friends for a long time. And I remember when I was on maternity leave with my second, I brought my first to her to help me watch him while I sat on the couch with my newborn and she helped take care of me postpartum while my husband went back to work and the newborn. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so she literally helped like heal the entire family. Yes. It's so important. It is. It so is. you, when you said it to become part of your family, I mean, like our basement flooded, her and her husband were the first ones over. Yeah. I had to take my daughter to the ER and my husband was sick and we had a two-year-old. So she came over and took care of my sick husband and my other child <laughs> while I took the other one to the ER. Like, the ER. you're right. A babysitter is so not just yeah. a babysitter. Yeah. And it, and it helps because it's like, I didn't feel like. I had another option. Like I couldn't not follow this calling to grow this business. And so, um, as hard as it was for us, it was almost, I don't know if it was just, well, and it's funny now that in hindsight, I say 2020 hit and everything was better. <laughs> it was better marriage wise, not for everything else in 2020, but we, we kind of, we've hit our stride this year and we feel like we're, um, we're really kind of in our groove of what new, our new normal looks like. So, you know, there are some businesses that have thrived in 2020, and I don't think that's something to apologize for, mm-hmm. feel bad about, but business, some businesses have totally hit their stride this year. Mm-hmm. You went from renting a commercial kitchen to when did you open your true storefront? So we were in our rented kitchen for not even a year. It was just a little under a year. So in September of 2019, we opened our storefront, which had a kitchen in it. Um, and so when I moved into that space, I had no intention of ever having a storefront and it scared daylights out of me because I was like, at that point, I was like, I don't want a storefront. I don't want to have open hours and I don't want to have a a staff of people that I have to schedule to keep this store running. It just felt like 
it was going to be too much for me, but um, it ended up being really great. And it's a really, it's a key part of our culture of just being connected to our community in that way. But um, so September of 2019, um, and we moved into there and it didn't change much for us. um, Other than I got to see the people that came to have pick up from my house. Like, so I, I kind of lost touch with all those house pickup customers because they weren't able to come get it directly from me. They were either buying online or we sell it at a random backyard pool store. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> they have I cars. have bought it from there. Backyard staycation. <laughs> yes, yes. And so the backyard staycation story is because one of my house pickup customers um, owns backyard staycations. And she came to pick up for the last time before I moved into my commercial kitchen. And she goes, I like, are you excited? And I said, yeah, I just said, but I just don't know where my locals are going to get it. They're going to, they're going to have to pay for shipping now. And she goes, well, why don't you sell it at my shop? And she's just two miles down the road from me. And I was like, at your pool store? She goes, yeah. And I was like, okay. So we, we set up and I'm so grateful for her to take a chance on me like that. But I started selling my elderberry at a pool store and it, took off. I mean, everyone knew just once they know where it's at, they'll come and get it. And so I still have a lot of people that go to the pool store to buy my elderberry syrup. I went, that's a hundred percent where I bought it multiple times. Yes. So which I love. It's so so random. now that you're in your storefront, mm-hmm. I feel like this, it's a larger business venture, but because you now have more employees, does it help you disconnect from it? Yes. So I, like we talk about 2020 being a really successful year for my business. And it is true. Like we blew my business goals out of the water by March with how much we were selling. And, um, and I always knew that I needed to build a team and build leaders, but my leadership experience was minimal. Um, so I've just put myself around some really good leaders to help me figure out how to build this team. And at the beginning of 2020, I had a really good groove going. I was, I had taught some of the girls on my team how to make my syrup. So I wasn't making it anymore. And I was kind of being a little bit more of like oversight over the entire team. We only had only had nine people on our staff um, in February of 2020. And then March hit and we just, we went from 4,000 orders a month to 13,000 orders in that month. And so it was- Wait, repeat that one more time? Yeah, we went from 4,000 orders a month was our normal in like January and February to now 13,000 orders a month. So we didn't, we tripled, we over tripled. Um, It was- absolutely nuts. We talk about March, like we have PTSD because we were like, it was, it was insane. We, I was calling all, I was texting all my friends and I was texting, having them text their friends and asking if anybody wanted to come from like nine to midnight to come help us pack orders or label jars or, you know, do all this stuff. So it was difficult in 2020 in March, because I went from having built this team to now having to go back and I was back in at 5am stirring the pot, which was fine, but it was exhausting. And I couldn't focus on growing my business. Um, I heard at the very beginning of my business journey that you either need to make your product or sell your product. You can't do both. And I knew at that point, I knew I wanted to sell my syrup. I didn't want to make it. So I needed to, to develop a team to make it. And so that's what the girls at the store do now. They, they run it. They know, they know, they make the syrup better than I did. Um, and so I've been able to slowly as 2020 comes to a close, I've stepped back from making the syrup and I'm now leading my leaders to lead that team, which has been really, really interesting and fun. I just love, and by the way, that is such amazing advice for somebody that's owning a business. Cause you're right. Yeah. They will run themselves into the ground and destroy their relationships with their friends and family. If they're trying to make it, it and sell it. Yeah. Do it all. Yeah. And it, and it's, I just, I don't, I don't even, I think it was an article or something, but it's like, I just knew at that, when I read that, I said, my favorite part of this entire business was the farmer's market. I love standing behind that table and talking to people. And I didn't even feel like I needed to sell my syrup because it was, I was just speaking from my heart about something that helped me. And I think that's probably why it's so successful is because it's not just this, I'm not just a salesperson trying to make money. It's like, I know I genuinely want people to experience the benefit of this stuff and, and feel empowered as a mom. So it's been really, really cool. Well, I am just blown away by, I mean, now you have syrup, you have, don't you have gummies? I have gummies. They're wonderful. I'm so excited about them. <laughs> 
So the gummies were something people from day one have said, do you have gummies? Do you have gummies? And I used to make gummies in my home kitchen with like gelatin and little droppers. And you can't make that on a large scale. You're using a dropper into like little molds one at a time. So I knew I couldn't, I couldn't keep gummies. I couldn't make them myself. And so I worked um, over the summer to partner with a manufacturing facility to take my syrup and put them into gummy form. And so they're like the best gummies out there. I know I'm biased because they sell them, but they really are. They're um, other, other gummies out there. If you look at the back of the bottle, it's so deceiving. They have probably like 25 milligrams of elderberry syrup or elderberry strength in them. My gummies have 300 milligrams and that's equivalent to one teaspoon of syrup. So a lot of the other gummies, you give them to your kids, but you have to give your kids like 10 gummies. So they're getting a little bit of elderberry and a ton of sugar, which totally, you know, shoots your immune system down. You know, it's funny you say that because I've bought elderberry companies that were not, or gummies that were not yours before, and I didn't read it properly. And I'm like, wait, I have to give them four? How much did oh, I just yeah. pay for this? Yeah, because they'll say, they'll say what, what the elderberry strength per serving is a 50, but then they say the serving is two gummies. So then you're like, so each gummy is only two, 25 milligrams? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's exactly the trap I fell into. So in the year of 2020, you th is your marriage is feeling better because you guys have gotten on a new path. Mm -hmm. I mean, how are your kids now responding to mommy, the business runner or the business owner? Yeah. Well, I didn't tell you this too. I decided to homeschool this year too. <laughs> so people look at me like I'm absolutely nuts because they're like, how are you homeschooling and running a business? Which speaks to my team and how much they're doing at the store. Cause I decided my kids have always been home with me. And so my boy, five years old, um, was starting kindergarten this year. And I was kind of like, gosh, I just want to protect the peace in my house. And I didn't see the, what I wanted to remove our family from all the what ifs of public school. And I had, and I'm, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to do that. Cause I know a lot of working parents just can't, they have to take their, send their kids to school. Um, and it wasn't that I was afraid of COVID or anything, but I just was like, you know, I don't want to be constantly wondering what if, and when are they going to shut down? And what are we going to do if that happens? And so I just kind of was like, I'm just going to like find my own curriculum and start homeschooling them. And so I've been doing that this year. And that has been so wonderful. Like I've been really surprised one at how good I am at it because <laughs> I was like, I don't think I'm going to be good at this at all, but it's just been a really special moment moments with my kids day to day. And it's kept our house peaceful when, you know, things start shutting back down we just kind of keep going with the flow of what our family's been used to. Um, so that's been nice. Well, for us this year, my, we have, I, I told you previously via text, we live in a multi-generational home, so there's high risk people here. Mm -hmm. So even though we did have schools that were open and they could have gone, we made the decision at the beginning of the year until we thought it was safer. We were just going to keep them at home. Yeah. And now we're, Thank August, you. September, October, November. I mean, we've now been doing virtual learning the entire year. So it's uh, not homeschool because we're still following the school's curriculum. But I mean, they've been learning from home actually since last March. Yeah. Well, that and I feel stopped. like you're they're even making that decision help them not have to shift and, and adjust to all the decisions that have been made. You know, they just kind of you just kind of put your heels in the dirt, you know, in August and said, you know, we're just going to do virtual and you just made it work. We did. And I'm not going to lie. I cried into a bowl of Lucky Charms that very first day of school yeah. because that was not how I wanted my daughter's kindergarten year to start. That's not how I wanted first grade to start. But then I got to the point where I realized I was like, guess what? Nobody wants any of this to be like this. No. So I stopped my little pity party and my mm -hmm. bowl of Lucky Charms mm -hmm. and I moved forward and the kids are doing just fine. So and I felt it's the same okay. way because my boy's in kindergarten and I kept even though I, I made the decision, I still would always say, well, what is he missing out on? Because I chose this. And what is he missing out on? When, if he, if I would have put him into kindergarten, I would have felt the same way. I would have said, what is he missing out on? Because I sent him to kindergarten. <laughs> so it's like, there's no, it's that like the constant, like struggle of mom guilt of like, of, of always wondering, well, what, what if I would have done this? Or what if I would have done that? But ultimately God made us their parents. So what, what the decision we make is exactly what they need because we're the only moms they have. So ultimately what is the, like your main advice you would give to somebody that is looking to possibly start their own business. And maybe it's something, maybe they already have, uh, they go to some farmer's markets or they have an Etsy shop or they just make some stuff for their friends at the holidays. What would you, what advice would you give for people to take that next, next step to really turning that corner? Yeah. So I would, um, 
I would say if they've if they've started something and they're just not sure how to take it farther, um, I would I would say to, to focus online if you're not already focusing online. And if you're focusing online, um, then you need to you need to establish, this is going to sound kind of out of left field, but you need to establish your core values and your mission statement because people are going to buy from you. They're not, they're not buying your product. They're buying you. And so every single Facebook live I do, I hate Facebook lives by the way, but I do them because I know people want to see my, my face. <laughs> I tell them why I started. I, I, I go back to that origin story, what I just told you. And I say, um, you know, I say what our mission is and, and we have our, we have, I think it's seven core values and they're, they're plastered big on our wall so that my team can see it. And so, yeah, when you're getting started, you're not going to have a team probably, you're going to be the one woman show doing it all. But if you can establish those core values, then they help you make decisions and help you stay aligned to what, what matters to you and why you're doing what you're doing. Now, the bigger question is, because you've mentioned this so much, what would you say to another woman who's a mom that's struggling with taking on either going, being a full-time working mom, going back into the workforce, whether that's something she's launching or just a part of in general on a corporate level? I know how I am as a, as a working mom and what I would say, but what do, what do you tell other working moms and trying to find what is called balance. <laughs> yeah, right, balance. <laughs> um I I have just recently started this since September. I will I have a, a surrender journal and I I save it. It's not a journal that I write a ton of stuff in. I save maybe three or four lines and I just start my day and I say, God, today is yours. I surrender my day to you. Like any thoughts, any feelings, any energy that I have, I'm submitting it to what you want me to do. And then I don't a lot of times I think if you're a faith person, you can see anything that feels ambitious or things that you want to do feels selfish. And it's not selfish. God created you with that desire to start that business or to go after that dream or that career. That's not selfish. Like I don't like you've mentioned that you're very career driven. Whatever that career is or the steps you've taken is a unique, is a unique urge, desire, energy that God has put inside of you that you honor him by, by running after it. Now you don't, you don't sacrifice your values for that. That's why you create your values and you stick with them, but then you don't have to feel sorry for when, when I want to stick my kid with babysitters and I want to go sell some elderberry syrup at the farmer's market. It's like, no, I can do that because God created me to do that. So I, I, I know I get wordy with that, but I would say a very simple, practical thing is just start a, a surrender journal and whoever your God is, you know, whatever that means to you, you just make, make it about, about following him because he's good and he's going to, and he's going to guide you. And then in his power, you do stuff, not in your own power. You know, I, I think it's amazing. What you just said is like the stop feeling selfish mm -hmm. and to, I mean, I do think finding balance is something I used to always tell people, but then saying that you're finding balance implies imbalance. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that also gets me into trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, so anymore, I've just tried to just live in the moment as much as I can. And especially as that's what 2020 has taught me is mm -hmm. that I hate, the, I hate the phrase one day at a time, but mm -hmm. like truly in 2020, there is absolutely nothing else you can do sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I've really had to step back and understand that mm -hmm. there are things out of my control. Yeah, There are things I can change. And I, tr and I know it sounds so cliche to say that, but there, it is truly something that if this year can teach us something, it's that you can affect what you're doing, how your family's doing. You can change your perspective, your yeah. attitude. Yes. And it is insanely challenging. And, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, that's the only way that I've been able to try to find some peace with that because I've always been a full-time working mom who took about seven weeks off of maternity leave each time. And mm -hmm. I was back at work and mm -hmm. chugging along. And it's like, I don't want to feel guilty for that because you're right. I do want to teach my kids that too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I loved when, um, someone told me just the term or the phrase, be where your feet are. And so that helped me to be where your feet are. Like, so when I'm with my kids, I'm fully with my kids. I'm not halfway into my phone doing an email, but I'm fully with my kids. And then when I'm at my shop. Yeah. My kids can have access to me because 
I'm their mom. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I'm fully where I, my feet are. So I would, I would literally sometimes even put shoes on when I would work um, at home, like on my laptop while my kids were in their quiet time or taking naps, I would put my work shoes on and I'm like, okay, I'm working. <laughs> and then when I took them off, then I was fully with my kids. And that seemed to help with the, the whole balance. You know, that's been my biggest struggle while working from home is like, I love being here near my kids, but sometimes it's like when I'm sitting in my office, I can hear them doing virtual learning. Like mm-hmm. just now I'll podcasting, I can hear the baby crying. And so my brain's being divided again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And there's only a hundred percent. You yeah. can only divide yourself only a certain amount of ways. You can't go past a hundred percent. That's yeah. all you have. Yeah. So now when I'm home, it's like my focus is on work, but I'm also paying attention to the kids in the background, the baby, yeah. and then going back to work. And so my lines have been more blurred between being where my feet are, because yeah. that's how I used to function. If I'm at work, I'm at work. If I'm at home, I'm at home. And that's how I make that function. So now I've gotten a little bit more blurry, mm-hmm. but ultimately my kids know if they need me, they literally just walk into my office and wave at me and I'm right here. Yeah. So it is, and I'm having lunch with them. I'm having every meal of the day with them. That has never happened. So it's like, I'm learning to accept those victories. I've gotten to see my baby daughter. We don't have to use bottles. She just nurses. I put her in bed every nap in every bedtime of her life. Like there are certain things that have never happened before. So there's a, there's a beauty to that too. And something I, I heard in a podcast once and I decided to adopt is when people say, how are you? Mm-hmm. My first response used to be busy. And I'm like, is that a definition? I'm, what am I defining? What does that mean? <laughs> like, I need to stop saying, how are you busy? Mm, let's, let's try to go a little bit beyond yeah. that. That is not a definition of who I am. <laughs> we, try to, we try to use the term full over busy. Cause you know, it's like at some point you are going to be full. Like you're like the hundred percent thing you just said. It's like, yeah, we only have so many hours in our day. So let's not call it busy. Let's call it full. <laughs> and it it kind of shifts the perspective from a negative running, running, ragged, busy to a full, like I've filled my schedule with exactly what's most important to me. Look at you go. I'm so glad I'm talking to you. I'm over here. Like I need to take notes. I need to write that down. I need to remember that. I'm going to start texting you and be like, Hey, I'm having a rough day. Any words? Any words of wisdom? Well, you are just wonderful. Your story is you're right. It's so much more than just you make elderberry syrup. Mm -hmm. What you've made your mission statement and how you've chosen to grow your business and more or less putting your true face and who you are knowing that people are buying you, not just your product. Mm -hmm. I mean, and maintaining being a mom with your kiddos and trying to do what's best with them. And I also love the fact that you're honest about the fact that that hasn't always been easy on your marriage. I feel like that's something that so many people try to just gloss over. Like, of course, our marriage is wonderful. And I'm like, marriage takes effort. Oh, yeah. It hurts. (laughs) Not for the pain of growth. And change and compromise. Like you and I just talked about, we got married at 23. Mm-hmm. We have certainly grown and changed in those last X amount of years. Oh, yeah. We're in, we're in, char- we're in charge of actual people now. <laughs> we, we create people. We're in charge of them. Forever. Not just for a little while. Forever. forever we're in charge of those people. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. I remember feeling that when I had my, my first in the hospital, everyone, all the visitors left and I'm sitting there exhausted holding a baby. And I started sobbing because I was like, Oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. And you're going to send me home. <laughs> you're going to make this me response ever. Yes. Is there a manual? Is there a hotline to call? Like, <laughs> this isn't right. I know it's crazy that you grew up real fast. All of a sudden yeah. you got a little baby in your arms forever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh man. That's so funny. Oh, well, you are the absolute best. And I do need to come visit you. I've been uh, hanging out at home for the last several days, but yeah. Next time I go out and I'm especially in downtown New Albany, A, I need to get the gummies for my kiddos because they love gummies. Yeah. Um, but I need to pick up the syrup for myself and you are just wonderful. And I hope your business continues to grow and boom and change. And thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Sarah.